Hello and welcome to the Comedian's Paradise. This is the comedy podcast where we speak to very intriguing and people with so many depths like Russian dolls across the comedy world. That will make me and you as comedians go about and chase the stand-up comedy journey and live it on our own terms. And what I mean by live it on our own terms is, I mean, it sounds quite wishy-washy. It sounds like oh we're gonna be flies in the air we're gonna be like angels and all of that no the point of the podcast is what i'm getting at is go on your terms like um you know if if you're make things do you make things happen for yourself and do comedy in your own way rather than be needy about it just be be a master of your own kingdom and like take, be, be able to make use of the things you can control the most now Today's guest is, he's basically come all the way from Singapore. He is so dedicated to this podcast. It's 1am in Singapore. And he said yeah. to me, Marvin, like, your podcast is so cool. And your listeners are like, you know, they're like, like a fantastic Popeye's chicken wings. And so I have to come on a podcast at 1am and share my story to these people. Please yes, welcome this... this remarkable comic who supported some of the best comics in the entire world. A man who's been on Singapore's first panel show, a man that's been on Comedy Central Asia, a fantastic comedian, and he's going to visit the UK shores in January, February. Please welcome Sam C. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm excited to visit the UK to see uh, what's left by the time winter is done. <laughs> Are you saying that comedy in the UK is like Game of Thrones? No, I think the UK is like the Game of Thrones, but just everyone's hold on at the same time. What do you mean by that? It's just everyone's like, everyone thinks that they're Littlefinger or that they're, uh, was it Ty Tyrion Lannister, but everyone's just hold on, just going, uh, does this work? No. What do we do? Okay, just uh, give more rich people more money then. Hold on. Okay, you guys are you guys are. Mm. Where did you get that? What 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 what, what things have happened that made you come up with that? <laughs> uh, you, you, uh, at the time of recording, it is uh, we are in the start of October, and a few weeks ago there was a uh, little a mini just a mini budget a little mini budget was announced in the UK, and uh, the pound uh, fell so low that people in Asia could technically buy the pound and we're poor as shit and we could buy the pound that's not a good sign when third world countries look at what's happening to your country and go oh no we should we start it should let's start a gofundme for them they, they need the help now well sam you could help me out help me out please <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll give i'll give you a singapore dollar it'll be, it'll be worth more by the time december is done <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, it's it's. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of things going on at the moment. I mean, um, yeah, well, to to say lightly, I mean, what do you expect? I mean, the UK's without getting political. I don't think mm -hmm. anyone from who could be in charge of the country is of any use, or I'd vote for them. I think they're yeah. all useless, all yeah. of them. It's, I mean, there's a few leaders. They're they're just they're just all up in Scotland. I'm afraid. Well, yeah, well, yeah, I'm British. Don't start I that. Know. <laughs> I know hey, you went I to like Edinburgh to and you're surrounded uh, by like, I know you went to the fringe and you're surrounded by like freedom or and all of that with some of them, yeah. but let's, yeah. let's keep it PG. Freedom. 
What do you mean freedom? Not at all. The, it's like Scot the Scottish people are like, oh, Scotland's so great, Scotland's so great. And I told them, like, Singapore is one thing Scotland doesn't have, independence. So, <laughs> that great. Yeah, I mean, look, come on, man. I want, look, with the Edinburgh Fringe, we need the deep fried Mars bar. And Edinburgh, you know, we need their Scottish, I want discounts in the Scottish whiskey. And, you know, they got mm-hmm. a good, I want to share the nuclear weapons. You know, you, there's all sorts of do- things going in Europe. So, Scotland, don't leave. We need the nuclear weapons to, because you have them. We need them here. Don't leave. So, what that, where would they put the nuclear weapons in, like, in like England, like which part of England can they store a nuclear arsenal? I don't know. Probably the maybe, maybe I don't know. I honestly, because I, I don't like. I at this point, I would do like a regional joke here, but I don't know enough about the UK. The, I just if everyone thinks everyone else has a silly accent. That's all I know. People in the Hull think people in Liverpool sound weird. People in Liverpool thinks that people in Cheswick sounds weird. Is there even a place Cheswick? Is that Cheswick? It's it's in it's it's in West London. Look, yeah, you are right in some respects. Basically, um, and this is a, a famous comic in the UK, so we're not going to paraphrase too much. But what he says is very true. He says that the Scottish hate the English, the Welsh hate the English, the Irish hate the English, and the English hate the English, and that is very true from different parts. So that's you know when you're coming over here, whatever, explore that, but don't paraphrase it or go. Just yeah, no, doing no, your own no, Singapore no. way of being an outsider, and you can, you know, do your own. You know, people say that there's not necessarily a hack topic, but there's some ways that might be true. But you can make it not hack by being unique and doing your own unique viewpoint of things. Yeah, of course. It's like a thing I feel that with when it comes to the topic of hack jokes, uh, like I as a comic try to avoid them, but also I know it's hack because it works. There's a reason it's hack because it's funny and it works. You couldn't write literally the best hour of your life. If you were an hour of hack material, that would make you more money than any amount of art you can make. For better or for worse. Well, I mean, Louis C.K. is... I, I know that a lot of people don't like him and like he's done something very dodgy. I'm on the fence of like, he has done some dodgy things, he's done some bad things, but I do not think that there's a single person on this earth who has not done something fucked up or nasty to another individual. So I, yeah, but yeah, but the thing with him is that he got caught, and then when when you kind of do this stuff, especially in this day and age, then there needs to be penance to be paid, and uh, whether or not he has paid his penance, that is that I can have my opinion about that. End of the day, it is caught of opinions. If if more than fifty percent of the people uh, online and ticket holders and ticket buyers and club owners and comedians feel that he has, sure, then he is forgiven. But yeah. that's not that is not one person's decision that is a multitude of decisions if but one thing that is definitely true about it if if he wasn't in the standing he is then it he would not have got a, he would not be able to return but if he was if it was me or you who did the things he did we would not be able to return no no you, you can just just go to europe that's what they all are <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, he that's what he did. I mean, for three of the years or four years, he, he hid away and returned. Yeah. They, they, they either go to Europe or Asia. That's where they all go. If you've, if you've messed up in the UK or US scene, guess what? You're probably headlining the comedy club Bangkok because that's how it always goes. Uh, what's happened? Tell us. Do you have any juicy details? No, 
it's just the thing is that you're a good comic and you're solid, but people in Asia don't really care about international stuff. The booker's gonna book you because you've got good credits. And let's be frank, it's Thailand. Whatever dodgy thing you've done, half the city has done something far worse. Thailand's, I mean, I've got a funny sort of thing with it. So oh. I'm English Irish. My dad's from Liverpool, he's a scouser, but a lot of the family came over from Ireland and from England. And my mum's family, originally they came from China in an island in Hainan, but they immigrated to Thailand. So and my mum says she's Thai, but I'm a, I'd say, fine. I am Thai and Chinese, but I'd say more technically and blood-wise Chinese. Yeah. But um, in Thailand, yeah, it, they're very tolerant. They're very, you know, they call it the land of smiles for not for any reason because they, they, in other countries, they'll find a lot of things. But in Thailand, they just, I don't care. Yeah, I, I mean, I have spent a fair amount of time in Thailand. I can't, I would not be able to call myself in any way someone who had good knowledge on the place apart from the fact that it, it used to be everyone loved the king and then the old king died and now everyone's kind of not really fond of the new king because he's a little bit weird and they all wish it was the princess that became uh, the queen because she cool uh and riots are, uh they have as many riots as the french do uh although their riots are actually much more cool and less people just standing around chanting about stuff and uh cycling a bicycle like, no, it's real. It's real shit. Yeah. yeah, real shit. And like that, you're also part of the golden triangle. So that means it's like, oh, that's that entire area is like used to be drug haven till they legalize weed, and then now it's kind of like, oh, okay, it's just that's that's the that's the if you want to get rid of drugs, the best way is to make it lame. Yes, you know that's that's drugs? the thing. Yeah. It's no, but people, it's like if you look at Portugal, like and someone I work with. Is part Portuguese, and he tells me about how the crime rate has definitely dropped since they made it legal, and they've become very liberal with like sex workers and all that. It makes it much safer. It makes it's it's yeah, it's it's. But in some ways, there's too many people linked in at the top from different countries. You know, there is a drug problem, but there's too many people at the top that are linked in with all of this, mm-hmm. and they don't want to lose their power and money. Yeah, I mean, who who would imagine? Let's say, for example, like we, we can always go like, it's not fair that these people are in charge, they should pay more, they should uh, have to do more and give more. Imagine you work like really hard, even if your parents are rich, you still got to work hard at it. You still have to make an effort and you were a billionaire and then you've like finally made that billion. And of course, you don't have a billion that's mainly in resources and uh, real estate and all that. You probably have like maybe two, three million, still a lot. And then somebody goes, you got to pay double the taxes. And you're like, um that's you're taxing me on on company ownership but i don't have the money to the company ownership so i have to pay a lot of money which i don't technically have because most of these people are cash rich as an asset rich cash poor and also this is not advocating for the rich unless you're rich then pay me uh but on the day it's kind of like we, you have to understand that even rich rich people also don't want to pay taxes who does poor people rich people none of us want to pay taxes just those bastards have the connections to make sure they don't have to pay the taxes that's oh, no, why I'm annoyed with them. It's ridiculous. Like with they, the Starbucks and some of them, they pay less tax than regular folk. Mm-hmm. Like they use so much of the infrastructure, you should pay for it. And the money that they could potentially get from them could be used for so many things. But I, I feel that like for companies and all that, there needs to be as a company, you need to be able to go. Here's here's the ceiling. Like 
how much money can we make for our, our shareholders? This much. We stop here. We are not making any more any more profits than that. Goes back to the company to make it better or a charity, but we have this ceiling. There needs to be a ceiling, like a ceiling on like how much uh, profits a company can make before you should go like, yeah, no, give it away. Like it shouldn't be gross. There should be a, I would say a moral, a financially moral uh, ceiling. Like does your company need to be worth five billion dollars no yeah. who needs a company worth five billion dollars like oh great you can employ more people oh you know you can do that and you know make sure that other people can make companies and give a chance you don't have to have them in your same field do other stuff you can own them on the slide i'm not saying you can clean it up you're never going to but you know look good at doing it give back a bit it's it's a funny thing i think i mean in some ways people in power have a similar thing with comedians in a way like we're addicted yeah. to getting the laughs and sometimes in power but also like um if you've got power power is addictive and they want more and more power more money and the things yeah. that it gives them i mean i we can talk about the a uh, bit more of the uh, showbiz dark arts because you and i are both people who are in charge of running shows which does give us power and it is very it's, it's wonderful but it's very dangerous as well I've seen a lot of people who became bookers or began to run shows or clubs who, after they got the power, just completely destroyed everything around them because it got to their head. They wanted to have more power. They wanted to control more. And it just goes badly. Power will corrupt you. You can't stop it. You will be corrupted. The only way you can do it is to let it corrupt you in a positive way. Try your best to, yeah, you're power tripping. You, you're you so powerful. You're the best booker. And guess what a good booker does? Books new acts. I'm such a good booker. I will put new acts on my lineup. Like, see, letting it corrupt you ego-wise, but at least it puts, uh, it gives back to the community in a sense. I think it's, but I mean, if you are a booker, it, it will have an adverse effect on your, your that, depending on how far you let it. And, Maybe how smart you are, it will have an effect on your ability to get into certain other places and your standing in the thingy. Like people, oh, yeah, if you don't book certain people, they get wound up by it. People have very oh, yeah. fragile egos in comedy. If you don't book them or you don't do this, you know, one little slight, they remember it forever, and they will, they will, they will be oh, against yeah. you for a long time. I don't, but it's also like the fifty-fifty is like if we see a bad act, and I've had this before where I saw a bad act, and I'm like, well, I'm not going to book them, and I didn't book them for three years, and I had to go like. Why am I not booking them for three years? They probably got better after like half a year. How could I judge them for one performance three years ago? That's foolish. And it's the same thing, as a comic, if, some, if I don't get booked, I'll be like, how oh, dare you, screw you. Sometimes, not all the time, but there is, there is that, you know, that emotional part of us. You know, no, no one likes being told no. No one likes being told no. I think, yeah, it's, but it's a bit like, I don't know, if you're, you're, you're trying to chat with someone you're attracted to. I mean, whether you're a guy or girl or something, and you find them attractive, you hit on them, you want them, and they say no. You're, it's, it's just your ability to take it. Because you're going to get a no. I think no matter how, unless you're Elon Musk, and you have the body of Terry Crews, or like the 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 charm of Harvey Specter from Suits, you will probably, and even then, they probably get rejected now and then. But for yeah, the most because... part, rejection's part of life. It's even the best acts die. Even the best acts in the world will die. Cause that's not, not, I mean, we all die, but like, as in like die on stage, we're all going to bomb eventually. You, you're going to have a bad night. You can lower the percentage of it happening by being better or in, in the dating sense, being good looking, but you know, it's going to happen. 
got to accept it. Is I mean, <laughs> what you? But you've you've gigged quite a lot across the globe, haven't you? So what I mean, yeah. do you feel that the things in comedy do you pick up patterns like a lot of things similar across all the comedy cities, or are they all different? I mean, there's really always traveled. like there's there's always like similarities in every scene. There's always the there's always the young kids that think they they know it all. The people who are there's always the the guys who are you know those alpha bros who are like yeah i like rogan and i like uh them ck guys and this is what comedy is and comedy speaking truth to power and fighting back against all this cancel culture and you go on stage for three minutes with like three minutes of bad rape jokes and like why are you trying to cancel my comedy bro i'm like it's not it's shit comedy it's a shit rape joke it's a shit joke in general it's not even the topic it's just terrible jokes that's one of the more common ones uh, the most common thing in every scene is a female comic that's really good that can't get booked because uh not all the male comics don't understand her humor the audience do but the guys don't and then she never gets booked that is one of the most recurring themes in every city and is it because she refused the advances of some bookers <laughs> <laughs> oh, sometimes yes and no. I'm not. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like yes, it does happen once and like not even once in a while. It happens more often than we think. But the most common one is honestly just like the male comics going, "I don't get this style of humor," and I'm like, "They are laughing. The people giving you money are laughing. You don't want to put her on to make more money. You don't know. Yeah. You want to put on your friend who has five minutes of abortion jokes that nobody likes except you and the other three guys at the back of the room you you do okay okay go go it's okay go. oh yes that's damaging i've seen that a couple of times like with corporate gigs like mm -hmm. or i've i've this is a thing i've heard from comments across the globe they book their friends for a corporate gig and like mm -hmm. because they've damaged it it's harder for people that know what they're doing actually care about putting a good show to win back their trust like now, when I get book corporate gigs, I just tell I just tell the person in charge like, you know what, you could like book me for less time, pay me less, let me do crowd work, let me do, run games or some shit. Like I don't have to be a I don't have to be a comic at a corporate gig. No one, nobody wants a stand up comedian at a corporate gig. No one's there to listen to your jokes. None of them want to be there. This is like a seminar or an event or a dinner where they want to get drunk and go home. No one wants to be there. They don't want to hear your your brilliant point of view about the different biscuits in in the UK. They don't want to hear that. They want you to tell tell their boss that he's a bit of a cheapskate. Tell the HR person he's an asshole. Make fun of the room. Make fun of PR. And tell them to all yell at their boss, and they will yell at the boss. And they cheer, and you cheer, and you have a good time, and you sell less of your soul. You get paid more, and you get to go home and do this again next year. Do. You what two little things i look a bit like a creepy pervert i think with the dark light <laughs> so i'm gonna 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 close the curtain yeah. no you look, like, you look like a cryptid you look like a cryptid coming out of a of a fucking 70s office psa so i'm gonna turn the light on and close the curtain all right all right give me one moment Nas. Welcome everybody to today's sponsor of the podcast is Curtains. Curtains, close your shame out from the rest of the world. That's Curtains. Get discount code. <laughs> Here lines. we go. There we go. <laughs> We've uh, I think I might include that in the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I like this now because now with the light above you, it looks like you're recording this in like a basement of sort with one light bulb hanging above your head. 
<laughs> it, I think it, it might be, you know, you don't know what's going on. You don't know what's behind there. That's why I've had to do a backdrop, Sam. <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean, finally see a, a comedian serial killer. We haven't had one of those before. Generally haven't. I'm, I'm kind of surprised. Uh, pff, hey, don't tempt fate if you carry it. <laughs> I mean, you know how it is a war zone at time of comics. So, I'm, you know, the amount of shit <laughs> comics do to each other. My God. Oh. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen... I think it's so sad. I've been to so many countries around the world and I've seen so many great talents. And I think the biggest thing I see is just people don't want to leave their scenes. They don't want to go out and venture to other scenes and see other stuff, which kind of upsets me. I mean, I understand why they're doing great in their own scene. Why would they want to risk it and bomb somewhere else? But it's I I feel go traveling makes you a better comic. Traveling makes you uh, a better human being as well. Well, one of the so I've had two one really great um, I've had some really great guests on the podcast and really experienced comics from the UK and America being like twenty thirty years of the pros and. Like when you talk to some of them, they're, they're so intelligent and smart. And you're like, fucking hell, there's so much I don't know. And yeah. it's like one of them in particular was Mr. C. So he, there's two things that he said. Like with comedy, you know, we worry about that one person that's not laughing. But that's just, he says that's daft because you don't know what's happened in their life. Like you're sweating yeah. the small stuff. Focus on the rest of the audience that are laughing. And he also says that comedy, you should treat like your lifelong partner. I keep it interesting, try different things. Cause he yeah. says, if you don't make, keep it interesting and fun, either come, you're not going to be funny anymore. You can use the energy and not be happy about it. And comedy is going to leave you or you're going to leave it because you're not enjoying it anymore. Yeah, no, I, I highly agree with that. I, I believe in a variant of that. It's not just on comedy, but in my case, and I believe a lot of people's cases, it should be entertainment as a whole. I don't know why a lot of stand-up comics like to like look down or poo-poo on comedians that try other stuff, that comedians that try acting or writing or heaven forbid improv. But I'm like, you should. There's so much you can learn from every other art form. I think we, especially as perform, like where our art form, I don't want to say art form, but our craft lets us experience and look at everything and judge it. Like we literally can have a Edinburgh special about paper clips i'm very, very sure it's been done before someone's probably done it you can't have a dance about paper clips no one's gonna come no one's gonna be like they're just gonna be like okay kind of weird we make it accessible we make it interesting and when you have a craft that can access everything we choose to just isolate ourselves off from learning from other crafts where there's so much skills we can learn i've there are comedians with like i hate improv and i asked them when's the last time you went to an improv gig and they haven't been to one in like a decade and i'm like then how can you say you hate improv? You've not been to any. You have no idea what it is. You did you go to a short form, long form? What was the format they were playing? Uh, what was was it a musical improv show? Was it a experimental? Like they can't answer because they don't know what they ate, and I so, think that's so shallow of them. Yeah, I think that's one of the so some of the two two things two things that I don't like about comedy are like what you said there, and one of the things so the yeah the. I'm not too sure in a lot of the cases with people who are like that, whether it's actually their own opinion. I think it's more an opinion they've adopted because all the people around them say it. So they yeah, want to feel comfortable and safe to adopt that opinion and say it towards others. And they assume that everyone thinks like that rather than I want to be my own person 
have my own thoughts, figure things out myself and say what I think. I just mm -hmm. want to use that's 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 what I think the process is. People want to be cool. Like my friend's daughter hates pineapple and pizza. She's nine years old. She's never had pineapple and pizza. She just saw people on YouTube say it's cool to hate on, like going like, oh, I hate this. And that's the right thing. And majority of people agree. And then so she went, oh, OK, I guess I agree with that since the majority of people say that. It's like same thing, I think, with with like comedians who hate improv or magicians or musical acts or prop acts. And I'm like, why are you hating on them? I, yeah, of course, you're like thinking, well, I have to do 20 minutes of hard proper material to get a laugh. And all they have to do is uh, pull a rabbit out of a hat. I'm like, yeah, because they got to bring that rabbit fucking home. They got to take care of the rabbit. They, they have to care for that rabbit. They, they were allowed to get a bigger prospect than you because they basically have a, a child slash food provision down the line that they need to care for. And they probably will get more in trouble for that. And it's like, just, I just, sometimes I don't understand stand-up comedians. Sometimes it's like, we're so spoiled. We're so spoiled. We have one of the technically easiest jobs of all the art forms because sometimes we can just go on stage and be ourselves. You can't tell a magician to be themselves. They have to prep. They have to rehearse. Same thing with musicians. They all have to do that. We can literally rock up to a get half drunk, like smoking on a spliff, hobbling, and we're like, yeah, um, I'll, I'll work it out on stage and do the best 30 minutes of their life and then go like, yeah, I'm going to get more drinks at the bar. The others, they got to pack up. They well, gotta slowly there is a thing about it, though. There is a thing about it. For comics that are very shut on their one thing, when they have everything the way they want it, yes, they can do well. But what about when things aren't as you want it, like the lighting's wrong or the um, the the music's going on? Like, where's your versatility? Where's the where's the fun in it? Like, and you're giving up straight away. A lot of the times, people, oh, this wasn't the way it is. The way I want it, so it's I can't play it. It's it's yeah. Or one of the things I complain. get with some of the gigs I run, like one gig in particular, like this isn't. You got to think that you you're not going to work in perfect instances. Like stop, if you if you be too demanding with the venue, in certain instances you're going to be like you got to justify it. So. And you've got to work with things not being perfect all the times. If you think things are going to be perfect, you're not going to do anything. Yeah, you're not going to improve. It's like, I I get to give an example, like uh, the current comedy batch in Asia, uh, the Asia scene is about 12 plus years old. So uh, when I first started 10 years ago, it was, you know, very ragtag. It was very much like, we're going to put up a curtain at this corner of the room. There's like the heavy metal band playing next door and it's bleeding through the walls and it was terrible. And now we've got proper comedy clubs, we've got proper international headliners and nights, which is great because the younger acts have a chance to be so much better, so much faster and learn so much more, but they don't have that resiliency. Like the sheer number of comedians who are, that I generally know that are six years or less in around the world that have no idea how to work a soundboard. They have no idea how to adjust lighting on a, uh, a spotlight. There's no idea how to move an audience together. They who look at a room and see the chairs are badly organized and complain instead of, you know, moving the chairs themselves. I'm kind of shocked by it. Like, sometimes the, sm the smallest thing can make a, a gig better. Just move everyone a little bit closer to the front. Yeah, you got to move a hundred chairs, but you have a better night. 
Like these comedians don't want to do it, and that perplexes me so much. It's like, and as I say, like comedians, we're, we're the laziest fucks. We're so spoiled. We're spoiled, aren't we? Because even when things are bad, we still need things to work. Like we still need to have a show that's in a confined space. It's hard, hard to do outdoors. You want it to be dark. Audience has to be drinking. It has to be nighttime. There's all these things. You have a mic. You got to have lights on you. And all that nonsense and shite. And then when things we don't have that, we're like, well. It's not our fault we did a bad job. It's the room's fault it's a bad job. I'm like, wow, how spoiled are we? That we can blame all these things and not ourselves. We're lucky. We're lucky. So you've been in sort of the Singapore scene, as you mentioned, sort of 10 years. And mm-hmm. one of the, like, how does it work in, like, Singapore? For people that don't I know that Malaysia and the Singapore comedy scene, there's a lot of interspersing. I know there's a bit of a rival between Malaysia and Singapore. Like Kevin J was on the podcast and he says there's a lot of intermingling. Yeah, I mean, it's like the rivalry between our countries seems to have gotten, it used to be, haha, we're fun, we're silly, you know, we laugh about all this stuff. And in recent years, it's gotten a little bit more toxic than it used to be. I don't blame the toxicity. It is just, you know, a... Uh, side effect of the way the world is. Uh, Malaysia's been having a bit of a rough time in the last uh, five years. They finally voted in an opposition parliament that was really good. And then the leaders just all basically backstabbed with each other. And now they have a the old ruling party who basically is screw, screwing over most of the working class. So yeah, for them. Uh, in terms of the differences in the scene, there's not much. It's just, you know, like doing comedy in a different city in the UK is just that, you know, the city has these things and these rules. Is it something that's unique to that city or in this case, Singapore, Malaysia? No, it's just, you know, diff- different colours on the spokes. That's about it. We were still going to turn just different spokes. In Singapore, how it works is that we have, uh, we started off with just you know, one weekly show and now we have a permanent comedy club, a weekly showcase show. Uh, we have a few sort of satellite shows that run maybe twice twice a month, or in my case, I run once a month. We have a lot of big names coming in once in a while. We've got like theatre shows where you get a Jimmy Carr coming in, a uh, a Jim Jeffries coming in, uh, Kevin Bridges coming in, and they perform, and they perform one night, and they leave. So I would say we're just like any other city in the world, just doing comedy. The only biggest difference is just the audience, like everywhere else. It's so... Is Singapore a bit more reserved than Malaysia? Singapore audiences, yes. But I think the unique, more unique thing maybe about the Asia scene is that our audiences are a mix of locals and expats where a lot of parts of Asia, English is not the primary language. Singapore is the, the few rare examples because Singapore English is the primary language. So we have a lot of locals uh, and expats at our shows. And Singaporeans have were very reserved in the first 10 years. And in the last few years, they've been getting a little bit more looser and wilder. They're more willing to laugh at uh, more diverse topics. And uh, experts are just fun to have because they just miss comedy from their respective countries. Hmm. It's, I mean, what, what I've seen. So two questions I've got to add on that, like in Malaysia, I mean, in Singapore, like Jonathan Atherton, God bless his soul, he did a lot for comedy so, in Asia. 
Like um, he, so Malaysia has used to have two big clubs, like the Crack House and what's it called, Joke Factory, and, and LOL and LOL as well. LOL, yeah. And in Singapore, is is it like that as well? Like there's three so, big promoters you got to kind of. So, uh, small history lesson. Uh, so the Crack House opened in twenty fourteen if I'm not wrong, I, I believe 2014, 2015 or late 2014, LOL opened, LOL closed in 2016, 17, I want to say. Uh, then the Joke Factory opened in 2017, 2018. I'm probably getting the dates wrong for that one. And uh, the Crack House closed this year due to the kerfuffle. Y'all can look it up online, just search Crack House Comedy Club and look on the news tab, you'll see it. I'm not going to get into that. And so... At majority of the time, there's always been two comedy clubs in Malaysia, which was good because you know it's good to have competition. Singapore, we only got our first comedy club in 2017. And uh, there was good competition because the owners were fighting amongst themselves. So that made things interesting. Uh, the club closed in 2020 due to the pandemic. And then now we have a new club that opened this year called The Lemon Stand. Would I like to see more comedy clubs in Singapore? Absolutely. I think more comedy clubs will encourage both of them to be better uh, producers, showrunners, and bookers. Because now there's options. When you're the only game in town, uh, sometimes uh, so convenience breeds contempt. You just get so lackadaisical, audiences just get turned off because, they're, because you know, well, if you're not trying, why should they? If you're not trying to make your club better and make your shows better, why should the audiences show up? Hmm. There is a particular scene, I'm not going to name the scene, but uh, for the longest time, they've only ever had one comedy club. And because of that, the booker runs it with an iron fist and basically can book whomever he wants and only books the people that he likes. And that has, in my opinion, made the scene very bad. Much worse. Because then only a handful of people are getting better. And they're only getting better in this one venue where there are certain rules to be played by. So now when they go out to different venues and play, they're not used to having to deal with like modifiers or things that uh, affect, like things that will affect the environment. Like maybe these guys are playing in a long room style and then suddenly now they're going to play in a, uh, what's it called? Uh, sort of black box style or they have to play in a thrust stage. Like the, 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 pure fact that if you gave a comedian a thrust stage, half of them would start crying. A thrust stage scares comedians so badly because they don't know how to deal with someone looking from behind them for an entire 20 minutes. I'm like, just turn around. Turn around. Walk more. Just take it as a three-way stage. It's a big stage that's just been folded. That's all. But they're like, do I turn? Do I look at them? Do I move further back? Like, no, move further back. Look at them. Turn. Turn. Perform to them. <laughs> small things, small things, but you don't. Once again, you don't go out. You don't leave your comfort zone. You're never going to get better. Hmm. How? And what? What's it? What's it? What was it like? Sort of having people like. I mean, you you mentioned some of the big names there, the best comics in the world there. What's it like performing with them? Do you do you feel a bit of awe because you're seeing someone that you've seen on TV, or like, what's it like? I think at the start, it was that, like, oh my god, it's this person. And you never think you'd work with them because, you know, you're literally at the other side of the world. Why the hell would they come to your country and then you're, they're in your country? And you have a, and it's wow and exciting and you get awestruck. And then as the years go on, it's not like you lose that joy, but you begin to 
respect them as just another comedian. In a good way, they're a very good comedian, but you respect them. You're less awestruck and more just, uh, you have more reverence for them. And I appreciate now when I get to see big acts or work with big acts because I just want to just, you know, hang out. A lot of comics would want to like, like mind them for details, ask them questions about their careers and all that stuff. And I, I would say like, you know, there's some people like it, but in my experience of working with these bigger names and hanging out with these bigger names, they've flown 15 hours to be in your country. The last thing they want to be asked, so remember that special you did in 1994? They don't want to fucking hear that. They want to sleep. Or they want to drink. They want to chill. They, they have to deal with the audiences basically worshipping at their feet sometimes. They don't want to deal with that backstage. Just treat like a good human being. That's what, that's what I learned. Treat people like decent human beings. First, first rule. Unless they're not. <laughs> oh, I mean, if they're not, I wouldn't be backstage with them. Most, unless I've been forced to, then in that case, I'll be like, oh no, I'm going to go check in the front of house. Or watch the show from the audience. It's, watch the show from the audience is basically code for, I don't want to hang out backstage with you. <laughs> that's a comedy. For anyone that's not a comedian, that's a... <laughs> yeah. like, uh, I'm going to watch the show for the... Don't worry, I'm going to watch the show for the wings. Oh, I watch the audience means either I just want some quiet time or leave me alone, weirdo. Hmm. I mean, you found a, you found a, you found a few things, didn't you? When you were like uh, mentioning that you were heading to the UK, there was a lot of there's a lot of people that were helpful, and a lot of people that were, it was fifty fifty, didn't you? You found no, actually. So here's the weird thing, uh, and uh, I mean, all of the malice in my heart when I say this, the UK is one of the hardest scenes I've seen to get into. It's such a brick wall. It's like anywhere else in the world, and and I have traveled. If I show my my details, every other booker will be like, "Hey, we're not sure about you, but come on, do a ten, hang out with us. You know, we'll get you. We'll, we're not paying you to pay a lot, but we'll give a little bit of cash. You know, come in here. We want to have more comics." The UK is like, "No, we foreigner outsider. No, we have the best comedians here. You want to perform? Go to the Gong Show. Prove yourself at our Gong Show." I'm like, I'm ten years in. I'm not saying I don't have to do a gong show, but is that two four of like one, I had the credits, why are you forcing me to dance for your merriments? And then also two, if I don't do well at the gong show, it's gonna look bad for me both here and back home. Mm. You know what I mean? And everywhere, if I show up to basically amateur night, because that's what a gong show is, gong show is amateur night. And then like dance, like why are you making professionals dance for you on amateur night? That seems weird. And like Literally, I, I got booked in U.S. clubs, proper U.S. clubs, sight unseen, because they're like, hey, you, you, send in your CV, you send in your CV, you send in the clips, it looks good, yeah, we'll get booked. UK is the only place where I send in everything, they're like, well, do a unpaid 15 and we'll consider. I'm like, I'm in for a month. And if I did your gig at the start of the month, I can't do your gig at the end of the month because you've already booked it. It's so ass backwards. And I'm like, just, you know, Ask like and, like and even if you, I have people who are vouching for me left and right, and they're not small names, they have decent names for them. And even then, bookers are like, Well, we don't know. And I'm like, Guys, y'all gotta get because these bookers also don't travel as well. I'm like, Guys, go travel, see the world. Other people mm. do stand up, stand up isn't a UK specialty, they stand up all over the world. The best specials are probably like, I'm very sure the most watched comedy special of all time probably isn't even in English. So, yeah, one of the things. Which parts of the UK are you going to? Because I think 
<clears throat> Scott, certain parts of the UK are probably a bit better to approach than if you're talking yeah. about London. Wolf. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it, in certain it's, parts, it's a greater, greater London area and Manchester and trying to get a bit of Scotland, but Scotland's a little bit harder because, you know, they're dealing with their own things now. And as someone told me, which I also have to agree, it's a bit of a hard time for the UK with the winter incoming and the World Cup coming as well. That means yeah. the end of year period where comics can make a lot of money and do a lot of bookings has greatly depreciated. And uh, this is the first time where there is a world recession where normally recessions and bad world news normally means a boon for comedy clubs because people want to have a laugh and have a good time. But that the last time we had something that bad was the like, subprime housing mortgage. And that was before Netflix. That was before all this online stuff where you can have entertainment from your own home. So I think this might be the first recession where comics or live entertainment actually suffers heavily because there's no need for people to go out. They can just watch it at home for nothing. You can watch a full, you can, how many hour, How many comedians have their half an hour specials on YouTube now? Hmm. Yeah, it, it's, it's a funny thing, the UK scene. It is, it's, I mean, <laughs> I don't mind being a part of it, but I, I'm, I'm much rather like, yeah, as I said at the podcast, it's like living your life in your own terms, so doing your yeah. own thing. So I don't really like to be, yeah, I would like to run good shows. Got, can, I know a few people, but I don't like to be too involved in the. Do you know what I mean by it? Like too. Yeah, yeah, but it's like, but if you want, if you want to do it and be part of it, you have to be part of it. You have to, at some level, it's... pay attention because if not, you're gonna be like some of the bookers where I met who were just like, yeah, we're not gonna book because we have no idea where. Do you even speak English in your country? And I'm like, you know, you can just Google it, right? It's just tap, 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 primary language English. Oh. And they, and they just see this face and they go, well, he can't even speak a word of... I wonder if they'll understand what he's saying. I'm like, I, half the world doesn't understand your accents. UK accents it's, are confusing. I think, I think it's good to... One thing that I've always found with comics or with, with even in some of the poor jobs I've been working, like sometimes I worked in hospitality, the, the thing is... People make excuses for things, but they don't work their way around things. Like the things that all comedians want, right? They want to perform to their own audience. They want to perform in the best clubs in the world. They yeah. want to have, they want to make full time living from comedy, making people laugh. They're the three things they want, right? Um, yeah. People, you know, if, if people like to make excuses for things or get annoyed at things rather than work their way around. And what I'm saying with the UK scene, I think. It is what it is, but I mean, yeah. you, you, you're in a. Luckily for you, you're in a position where you've got that confidence and you got the things where yeah. you're in a certain place. You know you're good at this. You got things to fall back on. But so many comics haven't got that. Like, yeah. they, if they don't get the any feedback from other people that they're any good, they, it destroys them. Yeah, it's like like I said earlier. You got to leave your comfort zone. Think of it like you are a kingdom. Your kingdom cannot be great where you are. You need to explore new lands, conquer those lands, expand the borders of your kingdom. That's how you make a great kingdom. Every comic wants to get to be at a position they can perform at the best club. How do they get there? Not by just doing five minutes at a shit club and then jumping. No, you got to get a five at a shit club and then five at a slightly better club and a five at a better club and then you do 10 back at the shit club. And it grows and it grows. It's a slow climb. and It's a painful climb, but people need to understand that is that climb. 
yes, we are, and I'm also happy about this, yes, we are at a era where a lot of performers can hotshot their way to the top. We have a tight 20 in a bad club and it just looks really good. Or you put it on YouTube, if it gets to like 5 million hits, guess what? You're going to be in Mock the Week in a few months. Oh, not anymore. You know what I mean? They're going to be in these positions. And that's amazing that there are all these opportunities, but that also means that these people do not have the sort of foundation to survive. Some do. Some have the tenacity and will fight back after they have the fall, because we all have that. But you need to have that patience. You need to have that growth and you need to have that understanding that this will hurt this will suck but don't rush do not rush away to the top because i've seen many people go to the top and i see many people fall i mean i can ask you and any other listeners there who've been to the edinburgh fringe how many times have you heard these are the 10 big names of the edinburgh fringe and eight of them you'll never hear again Do you have any names? No, I'm joking. Don't mention names. <laughs> yeah. no, you, know, like, you know, every year it's going to be like, this is the big name. That's the big name. They made a huge splash. And then it, like next year, they're like, where are they? Eh, don't know. They did good. They got a TV gig or they got this big gig, completely bombed, quit comedy. <laughs> Went on yeah, to but... be behind the scenes. I'm like, yeah, fair enough. Good for them. Um, yeah. And what you were saying about what's it called? The, the book is saying this or that. You know what? Um, I had a... Do you know Earl Oaken? Have you gigged with him? Look, uh, his full name? Earl Oaken. Earl, oh yes, oh, oh yes, Earl Oaken. Very delightful man. Once randomly saw his album selling as the number one jazz record in uh, uh, Tokyo Towers. Not Tokyo Towers, uh, El- is it Tower Records in Tokyo. Yeah, oh. and I was just like, I was just like, oh, because I like jazz. I was like, oh, who is this guy? I was like, oh. And I was like, oh, yeah. Another person who diversified his portfolio. Best best-selling jazz album. Not even comedy, just pure jazz. He's an interesting cat, isn't he? Like he, um, the thing with him is, he doesn't really do comedy. He mostly focuses on music, but he does comedy every now and then, and he does get paid a little bit. But the yeah. thing is, he told me I, I sent him a list of names of people to contact and this and that, in the like, because he's yeah. what's it called? Things have changed a bit from his day. But he's been mm, yeah. gigging for comedy like like 40, 50 years before the circuit even started. Like mm-hmm. When the UK started in folk clubs, he was gigging then, like yeah. before you like, see all the big comedy clubs. Yeah, the, the gentleman clubs and all like kind of like, I guess, your, I believe they call it the, your butlin stuff and all that kind of jazz. Yeah, he, he gigged way before. And the, the thing is, they're saying to him like the, like with you. So mm-hmm. it's it's a bit of... Um, yeah, it's, it's so as backwards. I'm not saying, hey, book a site unseen just because they've done it for 50 years, they should get booked. But I'm also like, look at the CV. Look, just book diversely. I get so annoyed when I when I see a, like a lineup and like, here's the comics we have. And it's like two months of, it's the same act. It's not, not, not the name, but it's just the same act. And it's not like, oh, it's just a, everyone's a straight white guy. It's like, no, there's a lot of straight white guys with very different stuff. But you just look and say, it's blokey comedy, blokey comedy, blokey comedy, blokey comedy. Because the booker is like, well, we make a lot of money on blokey comedy, so we should book only blokey comedy. I'm like, no, you should make money on all comedy because it makes you more. Because then your audiences don't get tired of seeing the similar acts again and again. Book diversely. Guess what? I will book the hackiest act. Because why? Because they will sell it out faster than any of the best acts. If, yeah, it's. Yeah. The... I'm not going to name like any like names, but let's say if I get like a Stuart Lee versus, let's say, generic hack comedian that does really well 
guess what? This hat comedian will always outsell Stuart Lee because it's more general and more approachable. Not saying that he's better than Stuart Lee, just, you know, sales-wise, it's just easier. Now, the point is with everything you said there, um, as long as you're not deluded and thinking you're good and as long as you got this, yeah. fuck people, yeah. isn't it? You can make your way, work, just work your way around things, work, work. I gig a lot and, like, fuck people who don't, don't see it. Yeah, yeah. just find, find a selling point like sell yourself you can't just go with i'm funny i'm like no you, you gotta have more than that you can't just be funny guess there's like seven billion people in the world and guess what most of them want to be stand-up comedians or think they can be stand-up comedians i know oh. a lot of people who are hilarious off stage couldn't get on stage and hold a goddamn candle so anyone can be funny it's just whether can you be good at it can you can you live long enough doing this can you do this for 10 20 30 years where do you... so, is it, there's another thing that comes across some of the things that I think are problems with comedy. So I think people say that all oh, comics are fucked up. I think everyone's fucked up. But I think yeah. that one of the things with comedians is a lot of comics that I come across, they weren't necessarily the cool kid in school or the cool person. And sometimes even with performing arts. So they sometimes they like to play on that they want to cover for the lack of feeling like they were the big shot yeah. in their youth yeah. so they want to try and put it on other people yeah. because and as it, i said as you said earlier power corrupts once you have that taste of power you, you do anything to keep it once you have that fame and fortune you do anything to keep it I understand makes sense what who wouldn't but you know give back a little bit there's nothing wrong with making things better book new acts book diverse acts give other acts a try hey i i'm very much a liberal left-wing guy but i'll book a right-wing comic if it makes sense if it makes sense i'll book a right-wing comic because yeah i, I want to make money some people may complain hey you know why are you letting giving this guy a, a platform but i'm like i said choose wisely don't don't pick the assholes yeah yeah same way you don't book a left-wing asshole like left-wing comic that's also an asshole because guess what there's a lot of left-wing assholes as well not saying that only the right wings right wings do not dominate the asshole market are you gonna mostly just perform in comedy or are you gonna watch some shows as well uh when i'm over in the uk yeah oh yeah definitely i'm gonna watch uh not just comedy i'm gonna see if i can find out like some uh of the cabaret and dragonites because I'm like, oh, yeah, we don't have that in my neck of the woods. There's no cabaret or burlesque. We don't have it in Asia. So I'm like, I want to see that. There is some, I'm looking to find out more about that as well. But there's, there is, if you want to look at where comedy is quite creative in the UK, probably Angel Comedy, Soho Theatre. Yeah. Uh, that's it's... where, and maybe Two North Down. That's where, yeah, I've heard, and also I've heard, Museum of Comedy and Leicester Square Theatre. That's where comedy is being created. If you look at the mm -hmm. comedy store and like, it's it's all straight stand up, gag gag mm -hmm. gag 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 most of the time. Mm -hmm. But uh, depends what you like. I mean, I, I like all comedy. I've like, I when I was at the Fringe this year, I made I made a a commitment to watch more shows because. When I was there in 2019, I was not exactly as well off because 2019 still a kid, and I could only watch like a handful of shows, only like three shows, and like this time I watched like 25 shows across the spectrum and di diverse, like like just 
like acts were just like hello i'm here and i'm here to talk about comedy here and i was this style this very english style and i know it's been sad oh it's been sad. like that very old school style and you know and after that i'll go watch someone like an ada camp who is like one of my favorite comics ada fucking camp yeah you know ada camp oh i love yeah. her yeah, I love her because it's just so fun. Uh, if let's, I'll happy sidetrack about Ada Camp for a bit. Like the most inventive, elusive. I I find it like a a rose amongst the brambles when you watch her show because you just get drawn in. And I've seen both like the two hours, and I'm just like watching and watching. And I mean, it's a character, and the whole time I'm sitting there going like, "This is all bullshit. None of this is real." But I want to learn more about this bullshit story. And it's and it's so well done. It's engaging. It's exciting. There's ups and downs. There's magic and silly stuff. And I'm like, yeah, this is what comedy should be. Fun. I want to watch a comedy show and have fun. Yeah, she. I've actually had her on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, oh, lovely. Uh, she she mentioned what you said. She mm-hmm. she likes being a variety performer. Some people don't like her because they can't place her. But she likes it because she gets to learn from magicians, she gets to learn from stand-ups, and she gets to learn from cabaret acts, which is very similar to what you just said. Yeah, that's like, I mean, I love a straight stand-up act in the same way I would like, like a variety act. Because, I mean, comedians are like, oh, a variety act, but like, yeah, your guys will poo-poo and anybody. is like, the observational comedian hates the one-liner, the one-liner hates the pun guy, the pun guy hates the dirty act, the dirty act hates the clean act. The clean act's too busy molesting the children. It's like everyone just has their own thing going on. <laughs> what? <laughs> I I make fun of clean comedians. I I wish I could do, I could I mean I can work clean, but the fact you can write an entire clean hour, I'm like, fucking salute you, man. That is a skill. That is such a skill I'm envious of. But I don't know. I, I feel I feel this is the thing that I get. I've done a bit of clowning. Do you know about clowning, like go lady yeah, and like? Yeah, I've heard about clowning, and it's th- clowning is it's fascinating because it just sounds like there's only like one school you can graduate from to be a proper clown somewhere in France. There, there is a few. There's plenty of clown teachers across the globe, but he's probably the main one. But he yeah. originally he learned from Lecoq, who's like, he's dead now, Lecoq, but he yeah. did a lot of other things. But Philip Gurley learned from him. Mm-hmm. Um. Crowning is very, yeah, it's something, it's, there's a lot of clowns in stand-up comedy, but in some, in some ways, they're two completely different things, mate. Yeah, completely. Like, I, I'm kind of sad I couldn't watch her because our showtimes clash. I couldn't watch Elf Lions this year. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck. Because I've, I've met Elf and she's a lovely lass and I'm just wanting to see what this show is because I know that she, she's done clowning and all that stuff and her show had like all kind of like fascinating ideas and concepts. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, I could learn so much from seeing this style of like, which I might not like, but I can tell that clearly an audience likes and I got to learn why. Like there are a lot of great acts that I like so- solid, like Netflix, multiple Netflix special acts whom I, I'm not going to say I'm friends with, I'm acquaintances with, and we get on well. And I do not like their style of humor just to connect with me. But I'll still watch them and have a good time because I'm like, well, this is not my thing, but people are having a good time. I can learn something. Why? Is that so hard to say as a performer to just go, not my thing, but let's just have a good time watching and learning. Now, one of the things I want to say, like, so you're from Singapore, you like to gig around the world. You're like the Indiana Jones of comedy. (laughs) 
yeah, but I, but I don't steal shit from other countries and put them in a goddamn museum. No, I, I hope, <laughs> I, hope I, I can give back and go to other countries and like learn more. Like I crowd work and I crowd work a lot, and I fear I'm not that good of a crowd worker because I still don't have jokes for like more than seventy five percent of the countries in the world. Like I still don't have any like backup punchlines or things about Spain, which is sad because I've met a few Spanish people over the last year. For the first time, I interact with Spanish people on stage, and I'm like, "Shit, I got nothing for you. I feel bad. I ain't got like, I got nothing here about Spain. I feel bad. And I want to go out and learn more, and hopefully, maybe one day play Spain and find jokes about Spain." Hablo español. Yeah, but that's, that's like that's like the level of español. But then you could use that for any Spanish-speaking country. Español-speaking country. I want to have like, here's the joke. If you're from Spain, you're gonna have a good time. Laughing at this joke, and I can educate the audience so they can laugh as well. So we're not just here's a joke for just the three of you. It's like here's a joke for everyone, where we can laugh together about this and maybe learn a little bit. Shit, what's so wrong about edutainment? It's not a dirty word. Fucking who doesn't want to laugh and actually learn? So, <laughs> well, you need to date date a Spanish Spanish man. You need to go to the. You need to go to the Spanish Meetup Society in Singapore. Yeah. See yeah, a handsome-looking. I, I don't think my boyfriend would appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> like, honey, I'm not cheating on you. I'm just getting material. <laughs> just say, I'm getting to know them as a person. <laughs> I, like, it's just important. It's, it's good for the stand-up. Like, I'll get more laughs if I learn how to say "bend over, daddy" in Spanish. <laughs> I mean, don't you want my career to succeed? For trying, ten years. This is this is what's gonna make me. <laughs> you say say that to the Spanish audience, right? <laughs> that could be a funny bit of crowd work there. <laughs> yeah. but, but, but I like crowd work. I, like, I uh, I can uh, completely understand why comedians hate crowd work. I completely understand. It is the laziest bullshit. But fuck, I love doing it. So I do it. What? Why not? It's brilliant. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun if it's done well. I've seen a lot of bad crowd work. I've done a lot of bad crowd work. Oh, so. me too. <laughs> yeah. You might you might see it, some of it when you're in London. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It, it depends, isn't it? Sometimes you can do really well. Sometimes you can do terrible. No. This is how you know bad crowd work is bad. When the comic admits it's bad. There's There's so many ways to hide bad crowd work. There's so many exits and stuff. It's just... You know it's bad when they say it's bad, when they acknowledge it's bad. And I'm guilty of that where I'm like, oh, okay, this is going nowhere. I'm getting nothing from this person. Let's move on. And I say that. And I'm like, no, 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 just say it. Like, hey, just make a small wrap-up joke and move on. Just very subtly move on. And then it's like, well, you're here, but it's not, not like, oh, this person over here. There's so many ways to make it smoother. I wish I could do that more. But, you know, yeah, yeah, the only way to get better is by doing it. And the only way to get better is by failing at it. Because once you fail, you learn. And then you can get better. Exactly. Now, one thing I want to ask about sort of Singapore is mm-hmm. what makes it unique and what do you love about it? And what is a thing about you that defines you that isn't comedy? Like what's a hobby that you're passionate about and Ooh. what things are you passionate about other than comedy? Okay. So I, I think that's going to be two questions because one is more Singapore, yeah, one's yeah. more me. So let's go to the Singapore one first. Uh, what do I love about Singapore? It just fucking works holy crap it very few singaporeans leave singapore and i understand why because i left singapore and i was like every country was like oh man they don't do this as well here they don't do this as well here 
the, the biggest problem with Singapore that everyone comes and complains about is Singapore is boring. And I'm like, what a terrible problem to have that we're boring because like, there's nothing to do because, you know, there's no wild parties, there's no crazy drugs or like extreme sort of nights and it's boring. And I'm like, I could live a boring once in a while. That being said, Luxembourg is boring and they should burn in hell for that. But Singapore is a very different boring because it's affordable boring. Oh. And Singapore, we just have so much... Like, like I love Singapore because we are the country that had a lot of issues with it, a lot of problems in a region that's very tumultuous politically, and we came out as the winners. Out of all these countries, of all these natural resources, of all this money and resources and arts and science, and we win and thankfully still do. And I'm very thankful for that. And it just works. We just work as a country. Whether or not, hey, I'm not going to lie and say, like, we are not ruled by basically a soft dictatorship. We are. But fuck, if it works, it works, right? I mean, we can all scream freedom all we want. Till we can scream freedom all we want. We can scream fuck the cops all we want. But, I mean, when someone robs your house, you're going to be screaming lock them up or where are the cops? Neither way. I'm just very lucky to be in a country where, you know, I got to, like, live comfortably. Oh, okay. And, yeah, and I mean, yeah, it sucked for me. I mean, the country fucking made it legal for me, and I had to, for the first six years, I had to constantly leave the country because audiences would basically would just turn off if I told them I was gay, which is not fun. Because <laughs> it's not like a, oh, it's not like a, oh, maybe they're not cool with the anal jokes. Like, no, second you say you're gay, 60% of them lights off. Like, nope, fuck you. Back then, not now. Now, they're much better, but back then. Even now, there's those pockets of it, but hey, I, I performed in so many Muslim countries, you kind of get used to it. Do, do, do you think maybe something happened? Maybe some people at the top, they had a bit of stuff, and they're like, oh, I enjoy it, it's not too bad. Oh, no, 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 it's none of that stuff. It's just that over time, especially with the advent of the internet, people could get educated. Like, people who relied on, like, state media could actually see media from other places. And and I think that's amazing when uh you don't have to leave your house to travel the world and you can expand your mind from just sitting where you are. Like I'm gonna say something very controversial amongst comedians. I like Zoom comedy. I think Zoom comedy is amazing. Zoom comedy is a wonderful thing because people have forgot like a lot of comments like, yeah, we don't have the environment that we used to have. Yeah, we don't have the cheers. We we basically have three people laughing in a tin can. Recorded five meters away is not the best experience, but it opens the door to so many more people that couldn't leave their house, that can't be there, that are from different parts of the world that don't have as much comedy. People who are uh, shut-ins, who have to work from home, moms, nurses, handicapped people. Such a big audience that we have completely ignored for years. And not just like, hey, money, but also like a chance to you know, find a new fan base, a chance to find new people, new topics to talk about. And that's why I love Zoom comedy because it opened the door to so many more things. People live streaming shows, people doing podcasts as a show, like a live thing, like Comedy Arcade with Vix Layden. Like, like without like something like Zoom comedy, that not saying it couldn't thrive. It's a great show, but with something where people can watch it overseas, it thrives even more. 
Nick, like in fact, there's streaming comedy with like the the whole next up thing at the at the fringes here that opened the doors to more people. Now, could we potentially draw a correlation to why twenty five percent tickets were down as one of the contributing factors that you you know people could just watch it from home, perhaps? But hey, no, make more tickets on the online sales. That's all you have to do. Hmm. It adds a new wrinkle to stand up. Like every decade, there's always a new wrinkle, and this is the new wrinkle: online comedy. And I think it's gonna be good. This, I'm very sure in the next five years we're gonna see the first stand-up special record, like not like visually has been, but like a proper Netflix level stand-up special recorded online. Yeah, that could be interesting. It's going to happen, and I'm very sure that's gonna be the one thing that's gonna push people to like. Well, I'm an online comedian. I've always wanted to do online. I'm like, yeah, it's gonna happen. And yeah, that's my controversial take: is that online online comedy is fantastic for the future of comedy because that's the way it's gonna go. Well, I hate Zoom, so we're cancelling the show now. <laughs> <laughs> no, the show uh, that we are recording on Zoom. I fucking hate Zoom is... as well. It's such a fucking ass hate to use. But fuck okay, it, if you're the if you're the act, just you know, get the producer to fix it. Not your fault. Make fun of Zoom, make fun of the producer, move the fuck on. Not your problem. Yeah, just cover cover the camera when the zoom's on, like just Yeah. So, so also a lot of people thought I do not like as in, I've also produced Zoom shows. It's just how you like. Just there's some simple stuff. Just right-click, pin video. That way, it's nice and big, and everyone can see them. It's not one small square in the grid. It's small, small things. Like I said, like a live comedy show. Small things you can do to make the show twenty times better. Just gotta have put in the the elbow grease to instead of moving chairs now, googling how to do it. Now, <laughs> now that's quite a search. Now, so what would I want to say about it? Yeah. So what is it that defines you outside of comedy? Because one thing that sometimes gets a bit irritating is when you talk to comics or sometimes actors, they can't really define themselves outside of it. And one of the oh, things yeah. that sometimes annoys me with people outside of comedy is that people want to talk to you always about comedy, but you yeah. don't, it, just because you're a comedian doesn't really mean anything. What you do doesn't mean shit. It's what's your character, what's your personality. And that's that's what annoys me about people. Now, what with comedy, who are you outside of comedy? What's your outside hobby and what are you? The weird thing about outside comedy, my my hobbies is just entertainment. Entertainment, gaming and all that stuff. Like I'm the guy where the where the comics be like, oh he's hanging out with the wrestlers. The wrestlers be like, oh he's hanging out with the improvisers, the improvisers like, oh he's hanging out with the rap the rap artists. And then the rap artist is like, he's hanging out with the D&D people. The D&D people is like, oh, why is he back here? Asshole, get out. You're, you drink too much. Stop playing with us. And I just, I just am excited by anything and everything. Like, I've got a board games, a whole bunch of alcohol. Like, I just want to just experience anything that seems fun. And I'm, I think that's my identity outside of comedy. It's just a guy that just likes to just dive into some weird random stuff. Like, like, hey, uh, during the pandemic, I was like, what am I going to do? Let's write a book. Wrote a whole novel. 90,000 words. A lot of comedians will talk about wanting to do it. Most of them won't. I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. A lot of performers want to do it. They don't. Not do it. Why not? It's fun. And then after that, I'll play 12 hours of Civilization VI because it's fun. Why not? People need to have more fun. It's a weird okay. thing to say, but people need to have more fun. So what I want you to do, when you come to my gig, make sure you bring Dungeon and da Dragons game and you play it on stage. 
well, I mean, I've got a whole bunch of other different systems. Do you want like the worldwide wrestling system of uh, the second edition? We've also got a bucket of bolts, which is a very lovely zine edition. There's so much you can do. Hell, I can I can run game shows. I can run a werewolf. Hell, I'll fucking salsa a tap dance. I don't mind. Whatever's fine and stupid, I'll fucking do it. I, I don't. I don't need to like. Call... Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, okay. That's brilliant. That's brilliant, man. Just like having a good time. Like, I mean, I'm I'm the kind, I feel like I'm the kind of person to just like, you know, fuck it, if they want to do it, I'll do it. If it seems interesting, I'll say yes. If it seems interesting enough to me, or it seems like, oh, this is going to be a good time, why would I say no? Why would I say no? I think a lot of stand-ups try to create their lives outside of stand-up. Like, I've got to be doing this. i got to have these pictures and these photo shoots and go to these places, be seen in those people. I'm like... Yeah, you could. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hang out with the wrestlers because you know they drink a lot and I drink a lot and they're kind of cool. So, y'all, y'all go off to your weird party with movie stars that nobody wants to drink or eat because they gotta look good for tomorrow's shoot. And I'm gonna go and get drunk as five people are ki- literally killing each other with uh metal folding chairs because it's fun. And you're gonna make bets on who's gonna win. Uh, is wrestling? Are you fucking kidding me? No, one of them might actually know who's going to win. I'm not going to make bets at a wrestling show. Well, not, yeah. unless it's not UFC, the... unless you yeah. like, unless it's like you got Conor McGregor versus Paddy Pimlet. Oh yes, the, the new gentleman. Yeah, he, he seems delightful. The, the Paddy gentleman compared to Conor McGregor. It's like, oh, okay. We seem to be, we, we seem to have uh, changed our our fascinating UFC characters from, oh, I want to screw you to like, hey, love yourself and love your body. I'm like, I, I like this. This is a much happier tone. If if you weren't with someone, would you chat up Paddy Pimlet in a bar? <laughs> like, do I fancy them on how they look? Yeah, would you would you be like, all right, then, mate, Paddy Pimlet, you look like a sort. Let's do. It. You look, you're I mean, good I mean, here. Not, not, Let's do not, it. Not, not, not in that accent. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I mean, I wouldn't personally go up to him with the aims in mind to uh, get into a in, into a triangle choke, if you know what I mean. Uh, but, you know, like, I just, we don't have a conversation. If he was game for it, no, don't chat. <laughs> okay. But would you be smooth? Would you, what would you do? Oh, never. I would never be smooth. I'm just weird. That's why I like doing. I just talk and I'll be myself. And some people think it's too much. Some people think it's not enough. That's their that's their choice and their opinion. I'm just gonna do what I do. Hope for the best. Now, if there's, if the what, how would you like to be remembered, and how do people find out about you? Uh, how would I like to be remembered? Ooh, that's a lovely question. Um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not focusing on that now. As in, because if like, remember when I die, I'd like to be remembered. I'm like, I'm not. Hopefully, I'm not close to there yet, and I think I can answer that question when I'm a bit close to the grave. But for now, I'm just. I can't answer that because I'm still trying to find out what I want to do. I'm still learning. I'm still discovering things about myself, and I don't think I'll stop till you know I'm on the deathbed. And I'm like, okay, I've done everything. What do I want to be remembered for? Like, no, I'm just gonna keep doing it. I don't know. I can't. T- I can't tell you what's gonna happen next year. Oh, nobody knows. No, I could get, I might be, I might do a, a bit that's really dumb and I hate and everyone will remember me for that. And that's my, my get her done kind of thing. I can't say what I'm going to be remembered for till I get there. 
Uh, just gonna, you know, keep hammering away and try to make enough money to survive and hopefully get a house with a boyfriend. That's that's the plan now. Make right. get be successful enough in the career to make get a house with a boyfriend because I'm on a super single bid and he's 199 cm six foot six. So this bid's a bit too small. So I gotta get my own space. Like, I want oh. space in a bigger space so I can we can actually both fit on the same bed. <laughs> so he's he's oh he's very tall and I'm very short and he takes up a lot of space and it's hard for me to sleep sometimes when he sleeps over because you know he <laughs> takes up a lot of space. So <laughs> I just want to be successful just for pure admin reasons. Genuinely, I just want to be more successful so I can get a bigger bed. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's that's a legitimate reason. Start every show. Listen, you may not find it funny, Sunny Jim, but I will not be able to get a bed with my uh, Mister. With my Mister, oh, we gotta gotta let shack up with not enough space, love. You understand that? I've gotta get. I don't even know where the accents are going. So I've, been working, <laughs> I've been working in America, and my UK accents have been like out the window. But don't worry, just, just explore different parts of the UK bit. As you say, see a YouTube video. Maybe mm. what you got to do with the book is you got to start doing accents in their place so they know you. <laughs> so you're no, versatile. I, 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 the, the, the one rule I have learned when traveling, if you want to win an audience over in a different country or city, learn the local swear word. Once you know how to swear locally, they'll be like, oh, wait, how did he know that? Oh, he's like, they will automatically like, like switch like a dime to you. The second you just randomly swear in the local language, they were on your side a hundred percent. Okay, right, that's it. Yeah. I'm gonna look for a Singaporean swear word. Tibai, Tibai, or straight up your mother no hair. Okay, can can. That's not a swear word. That's that's a drinking vessel, sir. Oh. <laughs> okay. Um. Hokkien swear words. Yeah, there we go. There we go. We got the good stuff now. Hokkien swear words. Uh, Jiao. Yeah, it's not bad. It's penis. That's good. That's a good one. Go say it a bit faster though. Lanjiao. Lanjiao. And also when it's Hokkien. Hokkien has... Hokkien is the most aggressive language in the world. Like, you, it will sound like they're cursing at each other and swearing at each other and they're probably just saying good morning, how are you doing? It's such a... This is such a verbally visceral language. Chibai, Chibai. There we go. Chibai. Yeah. Oh, Kaninabe Chibai. Fuck your mom's smelly vagina. Kaninabe Chibai. Okay. I won you over. Which, nah. which, which I, which I have uh just named up. Which I taught uh Rich Wilson how to say on stage. That was quite delightful. We <laughs> were sharing the stage, and he was like, "Oh, like teach me something in Chinese or Mandarin or Hokkien." And I told him to say uh, "Kaninabe Chibai." And I'm not sure if that is going to be on a podcast, but it'll be delightful to hear Rich Wilson swear in Hokkien. On I'm going to ask him that if I see him. Yeah. Now, about Sam C, Bowtie guy that we walked home very drunk uh, one of the nights after a night at the loft. Oh. Yeah, it was fun. Sim and his missus and, and me just stumbling back through Leaf. He's a, I, I've not really, I've seen him once at, at a comedy show, but I, know, I hear he's a proper sound chap. Oh, no, I've, uh, like, his thing, because I just heard about him. I've never seen his stuff because, you know, outside of the world. And uh, very lovely human being. Very lovely human being. Bless his heart, what a sweetheart. Now, we, 
Now, one thing I want to say. Um, he's my dad. <gasps> Bullshit. <Lie. laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> can, I, now, can I be on What I Lie to You now? Is that, is that how people audition for that damn show? I don't know. Yes. I don't know how people get on panel shows. You just but, do like a... I just assume it's like the similar to... Like X Factor, you're gonna do a, a shitty version of the of the game show in a bar somewhere, and a producer has to like buzz you off stage if they hate you. Yep, that's it. That's it, mate. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh. one of the things I want to say here. So, if someone's listening on the podcast right now, and they they're listening, like Sam, he yo dog, Sam C is the shit. Like, how do they find out about you? <laughs> very, uh, very straightforward people you have listening. Uh, if you want to find my stuff, you can find me online at Mr. Sam C. There's just eight simple letters. M-R-S-A-M-S-E-E. One more time. It's M-R-S-A-M-S-E-E. That is the same social media handle for all social media. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Not only fans, but everywhere it is the same one. God damn it, comedians, stop having different handles for different platforms. It makes it harder for people to find you, and it makes it a difficult task for bookers because you are going to add like five extra lines on the goddamn poster. Just have one goddamn social media handle for the love of God and fucking book it as early as you could. That's where, find me there, find me literally around the world. If you're somewhere in some far-flung country, I will... Hopefully, eventually, you get the chance to visit and play in your country because I want to. I want to. I still have not played Reykjavik, Iceland, and I want to. That's, that's one of the ones I have yet to. So, guys, if you pay Sam the right money, he will go anywhere you want. Yeah. I I literally did a gig in Oman because the guy said, we'll pay for your flight and hotels. We can't pay you for the gig, but we'll pay for flight and hotels. So I'm like, yeah, sure. Would love to do Oman. It's a great bit. Made a great like seven minute bit out of it please fly me to your far-flung countries it'll be delightful oh brilliant yeah. and oh, also in feet. russia and in korea north korea oh uh, right russia is the one i will make an exception to i will not play russia there is a potential playing north korea because singapore actually has good diplomatic ties it's oh. just finding someone who is dumb enough to want to book a fucking gig in north korea but apart from that i mean like I would find the most North Korean friendly 10 minutes I have or 20 minutes. I'll, I'll find a way of crowd work in a 20 minute North Korean thing. Yeah, I would that's what's gonna happen, do it. Russia, no. You know what? I will literally play North Korea before I play Russia. I refuse to play Russia. I, that is a trap. Uh, Oleg uh, Denisov asked, hey, would you like to play Russia in 2019? And I was like, I'll think about it. And then I met him this year at the fringe. He was like, yeah, sorry for offering you that. I think that seemed a bit rude to offer the gay guy hey, a gig in Russia. Oh, seemed God. a bit like, like degrading to you. Like, no, I, you meant well. Oh. So, yeah. it's, I... like, it's like going like, like, like offering a female comic, hey, would you like to open for Bill Cosby? It's like, this seems rude. This seems rude. Yeah, that's not right. I mean, it's, it's yeah, I mean, Bill Cosby's a nice guy. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, so she's, she's such an atmosphere of value that just allows you to sleep. <laughs> At night with your eyes open. <laughs> now, uh, anyone that can't understand uh, sarcasm, fuck Bill Cosby. He's a piece of shit. But yes, go ahead. 
So, guys, I hope you've enjoyed the episode. Uh, share it with your friends. You know where to follow Sam. Um, give us a five star review on Amazon or iTunes. And I'll see you guys at the next episode. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, Bill Cosby. Thank you.